And then the and then the concert begins, right? Oh, the suspense, like right? Like you're waiting. It's like here we go. We sat through that, and then yeah, cliffhanger. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, hey, good morning. My name is Greg Peterson. I'm executive pastor here, and I'm glad to be uh, with you this morning. Glad you're able to be here. Uh, Tim has the week off here, so you're stuck with me. Yes. Yeah. Great. Yeah. No, that's a little smiles. No. Okay. Anyway. Um, yeah. I don't know if you ever been to a concert before, uh, like an orchestra concert like that, uh, where uh, before they start, there is this sound of chaos, right? There's a sound that you're sitting there and you're beginning to wonder, like, should I really be here? Like, if this is all the better these guys are, um, I, this is not going to be good. And I don't know about you, I've sat through a lot of, like, you know, elementary, middle school band orchestra things, and, you know, it didn't get much better, honestly. But anyway, uh, you know, there's this, there's this sound of this chaos, and if you're not a musician, you're like, this is just weird. Like, this is just, what are they doing? Are they really that bad? or what's going on. And, and what is, what's happening is, is, is so important. You know, they, they do it before. Like, if there's an intermission, they'll do it again. Like, it is so important for the success, for any success to happen, for them to be in tune. For them to tune. And, and they, they use something like this as a tuning fork for those that are not musical. And it, you hit it, and it makes an A sound. This is where you go, wow. Ah, neat. You want to hear that again? Yeah, pretty neat, huh? Yeah. So anyway, it's, uh, for those that are into science, um, it's, it's vibration is 440 times a second will give you the A sound. And so no matter where you are in the world, no matter what you're doing, you can, everyone tunes to that agreed upon, and if on their instrument, if they play an A, it's going to sound and match that sound. And if everybody tunes to that, this is going to work. This is going to be successful. If they don't, it doesn't matter how good they are. It doesn't matter how many years of experience they've had. It doesn't matter how much they've practiced. It doesn't matter how just phenomenal musicians they are, or how great they are. If they play all the right notes, it's going to sound horrible. It's going to sound off. And they might even sound great by themselves if no one else is playing, but if they're not in tune with everyone around them, it sounds horrible. And the sound that comes out is unpleasant. The sound that will come out when they're not in tune is actually painful. Like, it is physically painful. Whether you're a musician or not a musician, it is painful. And the sound that comes out is repelling. It's a sound that's like, I don't even want to be in this room. I don't want to be around this at all. I believe that the same is true for us as a church and for us as Christians as well. If we're not in tune, we may be doing all the right things. We may be coming to services. We may be listening online. We may be giving and tithing 20%. We may be giving extra to the Share Life campaign that's coming up. We may be doing all these right things. We might be involved in volunteering. We might be doing all these right things, but if we're not in tune, the message that the world hears around us is unpleasant, it is painful, and it is repelling. And I think that I don't have to 
try to convince you too strongly that there are sounds that are coming out of the evangelical church as a whole that sound a little bit off, that sound a little bit out tune. And even sometimes, if we're honest, we've got to look at ourselves as well. And there's times where we are off a little bit and we're out of tune a little bit. And, and we can feel that rub when the people that we're with, that there's, our message is repelling, our message is painful, it creates pain, it is unpleasant. And I believe that if we are not the church that God has designed us to be, it might be us. We might be a little out of tune. So what is it that we should tune to? What is it that is that center point that gives us something to tune to? Tim has been leading this phenomenal series on Galatians and how Jesus Christ has to be the center. And religion on top by itself is, is, is wrong and it's, it causes all kinds of problems. But that Jesus is the foundation. And that is true. And that is the why, why we're kind of the, the musicians in my story here. That Jesus is that foundation and he is everything. But we still are left to do something, Right? Like, we are, it's one thing to just say, yes, okay, Jesus is my everything, but you still have to love your neighbor. You still have to live life. Like, how do we do things? What are those things that we do? So I was kind of left with that as I was thinking about this morning's message. When I was listening to Tim's messages, I'm like, well, what do we do? Because it has to be more, there has to be something more that I can grab onto than just Christ. Because everyone in a church, there's a lot of people that claim they believe in Christ, but seem a little bit off tune. How do we act? What marks us? What's our identity? What do when people see us, when people hear of Grace Point, what are the things that they associate with us? How do we stay in tune? In today's world, acronyms have taken over like crazy, right? For everything, there's an acronym. There's like an abbreviation. You have your letters and, you know, they, they, they abbreviate a sentence or abbreviate a statement or a phrase. And then after a while, they seem to even become their own identity. Like they, they, are, they stand alone on their own. And sometimes you even forget what the original uh, words were because you're so used to seeing the acronym. What about this one, for example? RSVP. Anybody know what that stands for? Respond, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's something French. Like, so if you can speak French, if you know, you can say something like, lay, 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 lay. as long as you have no lay, I'll probably be like, yeah, that's, that's it, you know, because I don't know what it is. But yeah, it's actually in French, but I mean, we all see that and we're like, please respond. Like, we just know that we're supposed to respond and they're asking for a response. Hopefully, if you don't, that's what you should be doing. You should be responding. And if you're going to do that, you should do it ASAP, right? You should do that as soon as possible. Well, then came along texting a little bit more, right? Now, we're, we're shifting gears here. Now, you guys, they used to have flip phones, right? And not just the new cool flip phones that open up and it's a big screen. No, they were flip phones that had a screen like one inch by one inch and then had, you know, those numbers that you dialed. Because uh, you actually use it as a phone, that's what it was for. But anyway, um, do you guys remember the days of texting, like the early days of texting? Like, it took forever, like to do a, you know, an E, you had to hit the, you know, the three like two times, and then you had to wait, because if you hit it three times, it went to another letter, and then you had to hit like the O like twice, and then wait, and, you know, to type a sentence, it was like 30 minutes later, right? And so these abbreviations came about that you just kind of had to do to, to survive, to communicate. And then so, you know, obviously this one, LOL, right? Laugh out loud. Everybody kind of 
of knew that and accepted that. And if you didn't know what was going on, if you're, someone sent you something, you're like, what did they abbreviate? How'd they do that? You could always use this one. I don't know. ITK, right? Um, but it was very important. And it's very important that you understand what these abbreviations is because, you know, you only YOLO, right? You only live once. So you need to make sure you do it. And if you don't know what's going on, there's always FOMO. There's always a fear of missing out, right? If you don't know what people are talking about. Yeah. Guys, we got this, we got this in our um, responses, in our connection cards at the end. There was a sentence, and it was, it was from an older person, all right? And they were, it was in the middle of the sentence, and they just had PTL. And, and the staff, honestly, was like, what is this? I don't even know what this is. And then we're like, I think it's praise the Lord. Like, it's, it's praise the Lord, PTL. So if you put that on your connection card today. But yeah, we, we see this all the way around us. But there are some things, some letters, some acronyms that kind of create their own emotion to them. What about this one? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Depends which side of the fence you're on on this one, how much you love animals. You might be like, oh, great organization, love them, I give money to them, I can't, they're just awesome, or they're not, <laughs> you know, right? You know, there's, there's emotions that come with this. What about this one for the church? And we see this, and we're like, wow, how do we love God well in this? How do we do this well? There's emotions that rise up when we see that acronym put together. Recently, across the nation, this one, right? Black Lives Matter carries an identity on its own. Just the, word, just the letters themselves carry a strong weight. I heard this next one, I heard this one in a sentence the other day. I didn't even know what it was. I honestly didn't know what it was. And someone, in the context, I was able to put it together, but they were like, oh yeah, the speaker, uh, they were talking a lot about Soji and how it affects the ministry, and, and they just like, and I'm like, Soji, 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 Soji? And, uh, you know, I played along like I was smart. And then, but I could figure it out a little bit, but it was, yeah, sexual orientation, gender identity. What is a man? What is a woman? What is it? It's Soji. And they used it just in a sentence, and I was like, what? Um, but it carries weight. It carries its own identity. So I, I was starting to think, okay, what could we as a church, or what, what could stand for us as our identity, as what something people could see and be like, yeah, that's, that's what it is. That's our tuning fork. That's what represents us well. And guys, we can't use this one, all right? Already been there, done that. What would Jesus do, right? Yeah, we tried that in the 90s, you know, I mean, and it is. It has to be more than this. So this morning, I want to propose to you the AJLMWH. Okay, I admit it doesn't flow too well, all right? Give me a little, I, I, I admit it's going to be hard to pull this one off, okay? But I think for this morning, I think that I want to propose that this is our centering tuning fork for us as a church and the importance of this. Where this comes from is from a, a, the Old Testament, and it's a, a time when, when the Israelites are asking God, like, God, what do you expect from us? Like, we think we're doing everything right, but what do you expect from us? And I think that's a fair question for all of us to ask. And, and in Israelite history, I, I, I love the Old Testament in that it just, it reveals a lot about who I am and my relationship with God. I see parallels with that. 
because especially in Judges, we would see the Israelites, you know, there's seasons where they're doing everything right. They're, they, you know, first of all, God said, you know what, I'm going to be um, your God, and you're going to be my people. You know, you've done nothing. I'm going to choose you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be your God, and we're going to enter this covenant. If you do things, you know, the right way, the way that I want you to do things, I will bless you. I will protect you. I will overthrow your enemies. You will live in peace. You will prosper. I mean, that was the old covenant. That was the Old Testament. So there were seasons where they were doing that, where they would be walking with God and doing all the right things. And then little by little, years would go on, and then they would, a little bit of idolatry here and there, a little bit, we'd add to it a little bit. And they would add a little sin, a little sin would creep in here, but God would still be blessing them, so I guess it's still okay, like this is right, and a little bit, a little more and more, and and eventually it gets worse and worse and worse, so they're not treating people fairly, they're not um, just, they're not, they're, they're not obeying God, they're not following God, and so he finally gets enough of it, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to turn you over to your enemies, I'm going to let you, you know, I'm gonna, you're going to go into slavery again kind of thing. And they go into slavery. Then there's generations where they're like, oh, God, help us, God. We won't do it again. We're sorry. We won't do it again. And he raises up a leader, brings them out of slavery, brings them back, restores them. And they have this cycle. And you see this cycle continue over and over again. And I think, if we're honest, um, we can see that in our own lives as well. Um, when things are going well, we, send, tend to, we can tend to get out of tune just a little bit. And I think, uh, so this, this message was, comes to a point where, uh, comes from a point where the Israelites are doing the right things. They're playing all the right notes, but their hearts aren't right before God, and he's had enough. And he's like, I'm turning you over to your enemies. Like, I've had enough. And he's speaking through his, his prophet Micah. And they're like, God, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean you're going to lead us into destruction? What, what do you want from us? What do you, like, do you want more sacrifices? Like, is that what you want? Like, because they were doing the right things. They were playing the right notes. You know, do you want us to sacrifice more calves, more lambs? Do you want us to sacrifice so much that there's 10,000 rivers of oil flowing? Is that what you want? Do you want us to offer, they even threw this out, do you want us to offer you our firstborn children? Like, is that what you want? And he responds... And I think we've, and one thing I want to say first before his response is, I love the candor of this. And I think there's a place for us, and I appreciate a God who's approachable, who we can have those honest conversations with and those deep questions with when we are questioning things, when we are questioning what's going on. And we see it in David, we see it in Job, um, of these real honest questions. But yeah, then if you've been in church, you know this verse, Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. See where I came? Please tell me most of you got that already. I'm hoping that wasn't the first time you put that together. Yes, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. Let's dive into that a little bit more. What does this look like to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly? Act justly, I think it's it's... You know, it's just basically just treating people fairly, treating people equally, treating people as humans, as they're created in the image of God. 
And there's something within all of us that, that just feels right about this, about when things are treated fairly. When we're treated fairly, there's a sigh, there's relief, there's a feeling that things are right in the world when things are treated fairly. It's foundational to all of us. If you're in the business world, it, you know, it's said that the best way to get rid of a good employee is to not discipline a bad one. Because when we see injustices around us, then the good ones are like, well, well they don't even do anything about that. Like, I, no, there's not justice here. There's something foundational about justice. When we start to get a little off-tune in justice, justice becomes relative. We start making up our own kind of justifications for what is justice and how it should be served. We start tweaking it a little bit to favor ourselves and not others around us. It becomes a little bit out of tune. I think Jesus himself and the model that he has shown, and honestly, this is an area I don't think that I have really done extremely well with. Um, when I look at Jesus's life, he was able to just be accepted and, and really earn the ear of the people who were outcast, the people who were kind of uncool, the people who were pushed out by society, the people who were sinners. They felt heard. They felt that someone finally gets it, someone understands. But yet he, he still was able to say, you know, go and sin no more. I mean, he was still be able to show them a better way. It wasn't just blind acceptance of that, but that he accepted them as a human being. He gave voice to them. He heard them. He understood them. He hung out with them. It's something that I need to grow in, to be honest with you. The second one is loving mercy. And this one basically is just this idea of leading out of love. And, and reflecting that mercy and, and understanding the mercy that we have received, that, that we've done nothing to earn our place with God and, and where we are at, that mercy that flows to others and, and flows out of the mercy that we received to lead with love. And when it starts to get out of tune a little bit, we start weighing the justice and mercy, who should get what, a little bit differently than what we should. See, we all love receiving mercy, right? And there's times where we feel like, we, wow, we should receive mercy for that. I was wrong. I know I was wrong. Please mercy. No judgment, right? No justice. I, I can, can you just give me mercy? But yet, when it gets a little bit out of tune, we start wanting justice for others and mercy for ourselves. We start wanting others to be, hey, they need to be held accountable. They need to get what they deserve. They deserve that. If they just worked a little harder, they wouldn't be in that situation. We start losing the mercy. We only apply it to ourselves and not to those around us. Again, Jesus himself, I think, modeled this balance beautifully. And I think it's represented well in the story of the adulterous woman that was brought to him. The Pharisees and the Romans wanted to get rid of Jesus. He, they, he was starting to get a following. He was starting to get a crowd. He was starting to get influence, which was creating 
a, a dangerous situation for both the Jews and the Romans. So the Pharisees came up with this brilliant plan to trap Jesus. They're like, this is foolproof. We got him right where we want him. So they brought this adulterous woman to him and said, this woman was caught in adultery, and by the law of Moses, she should be stoned. What should we do, Jesus? They had him. If he said they should be stoned, well, then the Romans are like, wait, he's administering justice? No, this is wrong. If he says no, don't. If he shows mercy, then the, all the Pharisees and the Jews, all the Jews will be like, no, he doesn't, he doesn't respect the law of Moses. He doesn't fulfill the law of Moses. He can't be the Messiah. We got him. And if you know the story, the story's famous for the writing in the sand, right? The drawing in the sand. And we're not sure what he drew or wrote. We don't know. Uh, but he got up and he said, okay, yes, you've pressed me on this. You've forced me into this. She's guilty. She should be stoned. But he who is without sin cast the first stone. And then he knelt down again, drew in the sand. We don't know what. And he said, one by one, the accusers left. Jesus then got up, said, hey, woman, where, where are the accusers? Where are those that condemn you? Since there's none here, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Justice and mercy. Leading with mercy. Do we lead? Do I lead my conversations with mercy? Do I give people the benefit of the doubt? When I hear something going on, I'm like, well, you know what? I don't, I don't know. Let me talk to that person. Or they'd be like, oh, yeah, you know what? There might be something there. You know, we're old rumors. Do I lead with mercy? Do I give people who failed again and again the mercy, the benefit of the doubt and things? Do I lead with that? Am I in tune with that? And finally, walking humbly, simply just depending on him, faithful in him, rather than our own abilities. Recognizing, getting to the place, and I, I love, thank you, Ben, for leading, Ben, somewhere, for leading the worship, Ben, uh, <laughs> this morning, and leading that, you are God alone. God, there's none like you. Like, God, you know, the great I am. Uh, just beautiful songs that portray a, per, a proper perspective that we should have. That without God's grace, we are absolutely nothing. We are useless to have that posture. And I think when we start to get a little off tune in this, we start to think that we can handle things, Right? We can take care of that. God, you know, answer some other people's prayers. My life's pretty good. Like, I think I got this, God. I'm smart enough in my business to be able to make money to provide for my family. I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm smart enough. I, I have enough connections. I, I'm doing okay. Like, God, I don't know that I really need you today. We would never say that, right? But sometimes when we start to get a little off tune, we think that. We think that, you know what? We can do this. And there are times that we even think like they did in, in this, uh, where this passage came from in Micah. You know, of, of, of like, God, we, we, we can do this. We got this. And, and even began to have the audacity to question God. Like, just to be like God, and be even for them, be sarcastic with God. Like, what do you want from us, God? Like, what? You want more? You want our firstborn? Is that what you want to be happy? You know, we can have this pride um, enter in. Jesus, again, modeled this so well. We read all throughout his account when he was here 
I mean, talk about somebody who had a right to have a little bit of pride a little bit. I mean, it's God. But he only did what he saw the Father was doing. He went, off, off, he went away often to pray on the, the hill. And those, you know, if you've been walking with the story in Christianity, you would know the, the story of the, at the, um, in the garden where he's praying, sweat drops of blood praying, not my will, but thine be done. Take this cup from me, God, but I will submit to you this humbleness to God. Remember um, how I appreciated the, the candidacy of like people like David and Job who were just were able and willing to say, God, I don't, you know, just being real with God. Well, in those accounts, especially in Job, God says, okay, yeah, all right, you question my judgment, you question my hand, you question my sovereignty, I'm going to answer you. But first, brace yourself like a man because here it comes. And he goes off for like two chapters. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Do you tell the, the sun when to rise, the moon? Do you hold, I mean, all this stuff that God is just chapter after chapter. And after two chapters, Job says, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. And then God went on for another two chapters. God kept going on with, you know, who are you? Where were you? You know, and just putting him in his own place. And then in Job 42, he says, surely, Job's saying this, surely I spoke of things I do not understand. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. We need to continue as we want to walk humbly, if we want to be in tune, to have that proper posture before God, recognizing who he is and who we are. Guys, I, I love the church, all right? The institution of the church. I've been born and raised in it. It's kind of my full-time job. I, I, I love the church. I really do. Um, with all of its flaws and its failures, I love it. I think it's a beautiful thing. I think it's a beautiful picture. I think we need to be honest and we need to take ownership of the times that we've been a little off tune. And we've come across to those around us as a message, as a sound that has been unpleasant. There are times that we have created rules and maybe elevated rules a little bit too much and we've literally caused pain in people's lives because of it. And we've done that. And we, too many times, have been a little bit off tune. And the message that is sent is actually repelling to those who hear it. See, I believe the world should see a people who can't get along or shouldn't be, shouldn't be able to get along. Let me put it that way. They should see, you know, oh, a church is full of hypocrites. Yeah, we are. Come join us. You know, we're, we're not perfect. Um, but I believe that if we are in tune with act justly, love mercy, walk humbly as our tuning fork, if we are able to get that right, we can become a sound that is soothing to the hurts and the chaos of the world around us. That instead of inflicting pain, our message, our sound can actually bring healing that only God can bring to a hurting world.
And instead of our message being one that is repelling and repulsive, it becomes a message that is compelling. The people want to know, how in the world does this group of people get along? They shouldn't get along. How in the world does, do they um, act justly? Do they love mercy and they, they walk humbly? Like, how do they do that? I want to be part of that. It's a compelling message. We can get some things wrong as a church. We can get lost in the weeds of some of the little things, and we can get some things wrong. We can't get this wrong. Acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly. We can get some things wrong. We can get whether you're sitting in a chair or in a pew. We can get that wrong. We can make that decision wrong. You know, what kind of music we play, what volume it is, all that stuff. We can get that wrong. I'm okay with that. You know, do we have... You know, Sunday school class groups, do we have small groups? Do we have, you know, what, what kind of discipleship models do we use and all that? I, I, we can get that wrong, guys. We can. That, that I'm okay getting wrong. It's important, and we need to do them and do them well, but it, we can get it wrong. We can't get this wrong. The acting justly, loving mercy, walking humbly. Because we could do everything right. We could do all those other things right. We could be playing all the right notes. We could have the best sounding church, the best whatever, you know, the atmosphere, everything, the best discipleship model, program, everything running. We could have all that. Wow, everything is great. But if we're off tune a little bit to this, our message is going to be repulsive instead of healing. Jesus spoke a lot from this place of mercy. One place that he spoke a lot of from the justice side was to the religious leaders, to the religious people, the people who were trying their best, working with their best understanding of what it was to follow God. In Matthew 23, 23, he says to these leaders, he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, Later on, he calls them snakes, brood of vipers, and even asks, how will you escape being condemned to hell? These are strong words. It says, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, uh, which were like little plants in the garden. These, these were like little, you know, they were, they were supposed to, they were required to kind of give uh, a, a tithe on like large harvest kind of thing, but they were, they were down, they took it so far as anything growing in their garden, a little thing, they would tithe a little bit of that as well. They were living, they were playing all the right notes. It said, for you tithe these, and, and yet you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, and mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. He's not condemning the law. And guys, rules and laws are, are important, and they, and they can be loving. Laws can be a very loving thing. It can be, it create safety. It can be, you know, the speed limit, they say, creates safety if you, you know, listen, you know, listen to that law. Um, but, you know, even the, the rule of, like, you know, telling your kid, don't touch the hot stove. It's a, it's a rule. It's a law. Well, it's meant and designed out of love. So laws that are postured with mercy and justice, laws and rules that are postured under these weightier things, of acting justly, loving mercy, walking humbly, can be helpful for us. So where might you need some tuning, a tweaking this morning? Where might you be off a little bit?
when you hear, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. If you're sitting here thinking, you know what, I have a friend that really needs to hear this message. <laughs> you know, well, you, you, they might be right, but you might be falling a little bit with the walk humbly. There might be some pride that's creeping up in you, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're good. Um, we all need to tune a little bit. We all need a little bit of tuning. And I don't want you to miss what the Holy Spirit might be speaking to you this morning of an area that you might need to tune just a little bit. You see, no one expects when the musicians come to get ready for a concert. No one expects the instrument to be in tune already, like to automatically just be in tune. And it's the same with us. Like, we constantly need tuning. And that's okay. That's not a weakness. That's who we are. We, we constantly need tuning. We can't always just be in tune. We need to have that time when we are tuning, when we, the importance of just taking moments and moments and saying, am I in tune with acting justly? Am I loving mercy? Am I walking humbly? In the conversations that I'm having, in those things that I'm posting, am I acting justly? Am I loving mercy? Am I walking humbly? I believe that in this season, it is extremely important how the sound coming from the church is. We live in a moment of a lot of chaos around us in the world where they need to hear the soothing, healing, compelling message of the gospel. The only way we're going to be able to do that is to be in tune together to acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly. I believe God is standing like the great conductor, right like that clip ended, ready to start, wanting the message to go out. Are we in tune with him? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for being a merciful God. We thank you for creating us, Lord, in a way that we, we need to consistently be evaluating ourselves and looking to you and tuning ourselves to you, tuning ourselves to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before you. Lord, I pray that you be with each one of us. I pray that you be with us as a church, as whether we want to or not, there's always a sound and a message coming out of our lives. And Lord, we desire to be a sound that properly reflects you and who you are. We desire, Lord, to be a sound in our community that is soothing to the hurts of those around us, that brings healing that only you can bring, and a, and a message that is compelling to others who are hurting around us who need to hear Jesus' name I pray.